Kathy, got a song for you. Lay it on me, boogie. All of my love, all of my kisses. Don't you know what Kathy's been missing? It's me, Count Boogie, and now I'm back from Texas. Motherfucking back from Texas. And now I can't stick my tongue in her pooter hole. I didn't say I actually worked on it very hard, but uh-huh, it's uh-huh. kind of... It sounds know. to me like you just came up with it and decided to put Kathy and pooter hole in the same song. Kathy and Pooterhole in the same song is pretty much a standard. Like if you go to some of the bigger artists like, you know, Paul Simon, Billy Joel, Elton John, Bernie Toppin, Joni Mitchell, uh, Roberta Flack, they all say the same thing in their interviews. And it's like if you're going to write a great song, it needs to have Kathy and her Pooterhole in it. I heard it the other day. Bridge over troubled water. (laughs) <laughs> it was all about the Paul Simon's just sitting there. He's like, you know, man, I was there in New York and we just came back from France and, and, uh, I was, you know, sick of art shit for a while. And, and I just said, what can I write? And I, you know, he started thinking about Kathy and her pooter hole and he's just like, when you're weary oh with Kathy's God. pooter hole, but of course they change, you know, the words Kathy's pooter hole because everyone can't sing about Kathy's pooter hole. You it's are just. Living in this little fantasy in your head where every pop star is going to write about Kathy's pooter hole. I, I don't know what to do with that. I really don't. You think that's bad? Yes. You think it's wrong? <laughs> I think more people should write songs about your pooter hole. I think it would be good for your self-worth. Oh, my God. I, my pooter hole is so special. <laughs> I think my ego would get huge if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. You'd be like, hello, my name is Catherine. Yes, indeed. Would you like to gaze upon mine poot? Oh my yes. Please. Could you please get me some baby wipes? I must dab the poot. No, I am not having that YouTube channel. You have like an entire gaggle of submissives that just like tap your, your poot just perfectly. You know what? This is what comes from leaving Texas and coming back to Los Angeles. I think you've gone out of your mind with excitement. I'm not necessarily saying that I am mentally back together yet. But I am. I mean, I drove literally insane, just as insane kind of as I drove there. I drove back. The car started after three weeks. And, I, and I'm just like, I got to go. This is it. This is my chance. To escape. This is it. And I just pretty much got, I you know, the car started the night and I said, if it starts tomorrow, I'm leaving. And so I packed everything and cleaned everything and mowed the lawn and, you know, and tried to be a good guest and, you know, clean up everything. And Leah, the whole time's like, your car's not going to start. And the kid's making fun of me. Your car's not going to start. And I'm all, it's going to fucking start. And then I'm leaving. And so sure enough, it like, you know, everyone had gone to bed and I was going to do it at 1130 and I jump in and the car's packed and I'm like, let's do it. And the car doesn't start and it doesn't start and it doesn't start. And I can see the little camera lights on the front doorbell because she has one of those doors. She has cameras all over the place. It's kind of weird. And so I can see that she's just watching me fail. <laughs> with oh my my car. God. And then after 15 minutes, I go inside and I'm like, motherfucker fucking car i was gonna leave I was gonna go back i got lovers back here everyone's like you know you gotta come back muse coming back from college mid-november and she's like you're gonna be here right so i can spend time with you and i'm like no matter what i am coming back if i have to abandon the car and rent another car and spend thousands of dollars to get home i'm coming home so the next morning i try the car and everyone's like oh so you're still here haha joke joke 
And I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, girl, I'll fucking get the fucking car started. So I didn't unpack it. And I tried it in the morning. It didn't work. And then, you know, they're, you know, cracking jokes. And I'm like, I'll fucking show you. And I went outside at like one in the afternoon and the car started and I ran inside and they just had a look on their face. And I'm like, see ya. <laughs> I fucking grabbed my bag and just left. Well, you did not leave that fast. No yes, goodbyes, no hugs, no well, thanks yeah, for yeah, whatever. Their, 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 there's no hugging in that house. There is no. Oh, my God. There's not huggy people. It's just like, all right, I'll call you from the road. They're like, all right. So, yeah, huh. I mean, that's why I've been totally intimacy starved. For those of you that are just tuning into Perverted Podcast, welcome to the family, by the way. Uh, and of yeah, course, we haven't thank actually you. started the show. No, we haven't <laughs> even started the show. This is just the insanity. Fine, Kathy, let's start the show. The following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. And if you don't like it, please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four. Do you feel your sex life is quite lame? Scared that your desires might be strange? Come and join the kinky world of play. Hello, I'm excited, Kathy. Leave me alone. And welcome to Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, leaving Texas and perversion. Recording this morning for the first time in months, not in the same room, but in the same state, a mere five miles from one another. I'm Kathy. And I am Count Boogie. And <laughs> so I get in the car. <laughs> and for those of you that know the ravioli, I've been living in it for a year. And so, but the car doesn't really run. It has electrical problems that sometimes it starts, sometimes it doesn't. And it's never been able to be found. So in Texas, you know, it was the same thing getting there as it was to here. I cannot turn the car off. So getting gas, getting, you know, food, going to the bathroom, everything, that car ran. So once I got there, the car died and then it started and I was able to drive around a little bit. But literally, maybe out of the three months, I had a car five days and the rest yeah, was okay. trapped inside of a little room in small town Texas surrounded by cows, cotton fields, five traffic lights in the in the town I was in and very very not kink friendly, you know, where we're used to. So I was trapped in a room with bugs and heat and humidity and whatever and the air conditioner was on in the room, so I was good as long as I was in the room. Um but yeah, after after a few months I had to escape. I definitely had to escape. The temperature dropped in L.A., and that was what the goal was. So I got in my car, and I drove – at a, it was a 22-and-a-half-hour drive, and I I got home now pulling over for gas and, and my sort of half-hour nap. I got home in about 25 hours. But I'm so excited to be back because I feel like it, I'm totally grateful that Leah opened her house to me so I could have a place to beat the heat through the through the summer months. But it was really rough to be that isolated. It was like my life just froze. I was able to work on the show and we were able to do some good things. And of course, I had some very dark times kind of trapped in the room by myself. Um, mm -hmm. And so I learned some things. I had some discoveries. won't get into it now because we have a lot of other show to deal with um but it was like my life was frozen right in that moment like i had some of my basic needs i could wash my ass and 
and but have it came air at a price. It it did. It came at, at at a price, and so I got through that. And now the temperature is coming down in Los Angeles, so I'm like, I I gotta go. I I can't not touch somebody. I can't have a sex positive kink show and just be like, you know, you remember remember three years ago, Kathy, when I you know did this cool thing. That's cool, right? That makes you know? it sound so pathetic when you say it like that. Because it <laughs> is pathetic, Kathy. <laughs> well, People <look. laughs> rely on us, and I Uh-oh. rely on That's me. That's pathetic. <laughs> what? That people are relying on us to get them through their kink lives. Well, it is. And you know what? That is one thing. I knew it. And we talked about it, and we were very humble about the fact that we knew that there were places where there was no kink, where it was kink barren. And we understood that people who live in those places really do rely on us to kind of be a family for them, to let them know they're not alone. They're still kinky, even though they maybe can't play or do whatever. Um, You know, we're at least still connected. Right. I joke, of course, but I absolutely understand that everybody in the country and around the world is different, living in completely different environments. And for those who really have very little or no outlet, I totally get what it's like to be able to turn on the podcast and listen to sane-ish, <laughs> re- uh, somewhat it's very generous, people. quite generous of you, Kathy. <laughs> well, we're sane-ish. Let's not pretend we're something we're not. We're, n- okay, we're a little cray-cray. Yeah. Okay. Enough about me. Mm. Mm. Never, but Kathy. Never enough about yeah. I saw a bunch of things in your notes. Oh, oh, oh. There are there are a few things in life I sensations that I hate more than the the feel of electricity on me and I don't care if it's as small as static electricity or you know I just got blasted across the room I just I hate I absolutely hate that feeling um even in joking and even in a light way so I'm at work and this has been happening a lot for the last couple of years before I finally said what the fuck is going on there's carpet in my office. So as you know, as you're walking <laughs> along on carpet, you build up a lot of static electricity. And so I, I come up with ways to cope with it uh, because there's a lot of filing cabinets there, metal filing cabinets, and I'm always having to file and go in and out of them. So one of the things I do is I press my my whole hand up against a um, filing cabinet before I actually go to grab the handle. And the reason is that you know, I don't even know that much about electricity, but I do know that the wider the space, the the more the, ele- the electrical current is displaced. So if I were to touch it with my finger, it would hurt a lot more than if I were to take my whole hand and put it up against the filing cabinet. It's barely yes. noticeable and I can deal with it. And I'm going in and out of those filing cabinets so many times throughout the day that my coworkers actually asked me, how come you always do that? And I got to sit there and give them this long fucking explanation about how much I hate the sensation of electricity on me. But something, there's this, okay, I'm just going to tell you, there is um, the AC thermostat is against the wall around the fucking filing cabinet that I have to walk around. And because despite the fact that that office is, Big and should be big enough. There's so much fucking equipment in there and desks and cabinets and bookcases that it's hard to get around places. So I find myself skirting around furniture a lot. Climbing over time- shit. Yes. <laughs> Kathy <And> hurdling, every- <laughs> hurdling filing cabinets. I will get this. 
I must, if there was a filing cabinet superhero, I would be it. Because in order to get to this AC thermostat, which everybody in the office is always getting on me on the intercom. Can you lower the AC? Can you raise up the AC? Everybody's got a fucking problem with the AC. So there I go. Men are so neurotic with temperature. Oh my God. I've been through menopause and the hot flashes and they're more neurotic than I am. I was up and down changing that thing for them much more than I ever was for my hot flashes. So the... I've gotten to the point where every time I have to go to that thing, I dread it because in order to reach it, I have to kind of skirt my front around the filing cabinet. And I always do right up until the point my right nipple fucking touches the filing cabinet. (laughs) Yes. Every fucking time. You better say no. That's That's horrible. Zaps me in the nipple every time. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I normally I'm like taking I think I've taken enough room to to you know pull my body away from it. But I go and reach for the thermostat and zap there it goes. Zaps me in the right nipple. So I've I've taken to doing this crazy elaborate looks like some kind of experimental dance routine where I'm very careful and I move around, turn it on and then run away really fast. Interpretive file cabinet dance. That's <laughs> what like it is. Whole new <laughs> yoga modality. You say you found ridiculous. your calling. So uh, you, how Peggy, often do you get zapped on the titty? Then? <laughs> I, and, I'm not and exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating, but I say at least twice a day, my nipple gets zapped by that fucking Oh my cabinet. gosh. That is amazing. You had never told me this. Because that... I absolutely hate it. And and I it's ridiculous the amount of brain power I have to put towards getting myself past that filing cabinet so that it, my nipple doesn't get zapped. And I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm this close to throwing it away or telling him we got to get rid of this thing. Because the truth is, I can't reach that thermostat without grazing my nipple against it. It's just not doable, I've decided. Can't you like wear rubber shoes or have a rubber stick that you can kind of adjust the thing with? I think that 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 goes over into the realm of pathetic, and I refuse no, to go there. No, not if you don't like your titty zapped. <laughs> I don't like my titty zapped. It's not consensual, <laughs> man. Well, now, Kathy, I just got to say, um, is this something like just with the same thing with the sensation that you had with peeing? And then you ran with it and it turned into an orgasm. Maybe this is. Unfortunately, no, this is a lifelong ever since I was a kid and I got zapped when I touched an outlet. I I absolutely detest that feeling. There's nothing good about it. So the idea of masturbating in the office while you're sliding through those cabinets probably wouldn't go over well or. Can can you imagine if I, well, on off hours when everyone was gone, I got naked and just started going from filing cabinets. That would be amazing. They have have cameras everywhere. I totally forgot. There's no way that could happen. What are you talking about? You could start, you could make money. Oh my God. You could make like kinky office yoga interpretive dance nipple zap money. Oh my. This was supposed to be a short story and I opened my mouth and before you know it, 20 minutes later, we're still talking about my (laughs) zap nipple. I think people are interested in your pooter hole and your zap nipple. (laughs) And on that note, let's move on. Is a zebra labia all covered with stripes? Seek our godly wisdom on some fucking advice. All right. So the listeners have not disappointed Boogie, and they've actually been writing with questions, which I am 
very happy. But I actually do get really excited. I'm not pretending. I, I troll through our email and I'll start pulling stuff out and we'll put things aside for perverted mailbox. And every once in a while, a question will pop up and I'm like, just getting all excited and I'm happy and I'm smiling. So <laughs> this time we got a question from someone who wished to remain anonymous, which we 100% respect. And this person says, I've been exploring my feelings towards women and being bisexual and I've developed a crush on a friend. She's part of our bubble and she hangs out and plays with both daddy and me. We've been flirty. We've had platonic sleepovers. We're both littles. She has expressed an interest in my daddy. Now, I was hoping she would be into both of us, but it seems she just wants to be friends with me and date my daddy. I want to tell daddy that if I can't be part of the relationship, I don't want him to have one with her but that doesn't seem fair or right. I'm hurt and jealous, and it's not about daddy, it's about her. Daddy's my first poly relationship, and it's currently me mono, him poly, so there's that extra layer of complications. I could really use some advice on what to do. I'm hurt, I'm jealous, I feel left out, and I'm already working really hard to stay stable in these really scary and fucked up times. Please help. Oh, 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 oh! Oh, 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 yes, oh, down oh, in the front, you boogie. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, Miss <laughs> Catherine. <laughs> I loved this letter. I think I responded. I try to respond most of the time because I don't know how long it's going to be until we talk about it. So right. I try to at least give some support uh, when people are struggling because this is obviously a big struggle. For some people... This is a really big deal. And we talk a lot about poly and the different types of poly and then personal limits in poly and all of those things. So I was like, oh, 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 I got things. I got some things to say. Oh my God. The first thing I'd say is your feelings are valid. Bam. You're okay. Don't judge anything beyond that right now. Until you take a second to validate your feelings. These are normal feelings. Right. Our primal side is territorial and jealous and selfish. And that's what we, that's how we survive. We survive by getting things for ourselves and then using them to survive. We have discovered in our advanced brain, as if you want to call it that, that there is a benefit to working socially with other people and to sharing and giving. And that's, but that's, that's kind of in contradiction a lot of times to the other part of our brain. That's very primal and does not give a fuck about compersion. Yeah. And it does not give a fuck about your poly or your ideas. Personal limits are not chosen. This is not something you choose, no matter how man, how many people want to go, oh, you don't have compersion, you're you blah, 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 blah. You know, you're not right, Polly. You're not doing right, Polly. Fuck you, you fucking douchebag. Mm-hmm. Your personal limits are not chosen. They are limits because they are limits. Things can be changed, and maybe with some work, you can maybe develop points of view that make you not feel the way you do. But let's just get to the bottom line. You feel this way, and that is a valid feeling. Right. I totally agree. 
I have a lot of other stuff, but I'm giving you a place to jump in now. (laughs) Okay. So there absolutely is nothing wrong with the feelings that you have. And it actually would be 100% ridiculous to say that you're bad for having those feelings because we are not in control of our feelings, but we are in control of how we cope with them and how we deal with them. So that's one of the, let's say with Creative Explorer and I, one of the things that makes it so easy is that he understands that. And that makes me a lot more willing to confess to things that don't make me look good, but I don't care. They're how I feel I have to discuss them. So the problem, the thing is, that when I have feelings like this that come out, particularly when it comes to jealousy issues with, with polyamory, is that it pisses me off that, as you say, Boogie, I'm allowing my jealousy to uh, steer the bus. Mm. And I don't like that. It's enough to make me stand up and take notice and enough to make me do something that in other areas of life I'm not simply not brave enough to do. And that is that I say, fucking bring it on. If it makes me jealous, I want you to do it because I, as Creative Explorer says, am going to skull fuck that asshole until it's dead. I don't want it there. Very eloquent. Very eloquent. (laughs) Skull fuck that asshole until it's dead. Yes, good. Very good. Until it is deceased. (laughs) Until it has expired. (laughs) Now, I don't win as often as I lose. I hate admitting that, but it's 100% true. And there are times when no matter how much I don't want it to happen, I do allow that bad emotion to ride the, to drive the bus. But I'm very careful about how I do it. Case in point, a few weeks ago when I took Creative Explorer, it's pissing me off massively that you're taking all this time off in which you're going to be playing this goddamn computer game. So even though I don't like that I wasn't able to skull fuck this feeling into the ground, I will go ahead and give into it enough so that it releases the pressure. And I'm going to say, I need a blackout. I need to black out my time because I feel that this has the, the, this has the ability to the potential to really mess with my head. And I need to balance those scales one way or another, or I am going to go into a dark place. It's happened before. I don't want to go there again. So even though this isn't my preferred way of dealing with it, I need to enact this blackout and I hope you can understand. So that's both sides of how I deal with things. Sometimes I win, sometimes I don't. And when I don't win, the one thing that I try have tried so hard over the past 10 years to do is to not beat myself up for it, to not make myself accountable for something that is for the most part really out of my control. Absolutely. Very well said. Very, very well said. This is really, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road when you get to this level of honesty with yourself, where you get to, this is my limit. That's why you call it a little limit. I cannot go any further than this moment. At that moment, you either have to deal with that limit, accept that limit, surrender to that limit, or you redefine what your poly relationship is going to be. Right. Because in, in, in my poly relationship, my limits were, I had the illusion of what I wanted to be in poly, that I was going to be like Captain Compersion and I was going to be like this advanced form of poly where there's, oh, everything is okay. And I hit my limit and realized I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in even being that. That's 
that's not even something I want. Or it's not a part of me that the personal growth that I may or may not achieve in that is something I want. So I had to be honest. And for people that wanted things differently than I did, I have to deal with the fact that maybe I'm not going to be in a poly relationship with everybody, that I'm going to need to define what my poly is to the point of my limit and then find other people who have the same limit or the same desires. And that's what I did for a long time with Mew, Mew and Bunny. And where this poster is saying that she wants to tell her daddy that she doesn't want him to date her if they can't all be together. Mew had that right to do that with me. And my relationship with her was, is that she did have veto ability. That if she didn't, and she used it very, very, very infrequently. But she did have some times where she said, I really don't connect to this person. And I don't want to play with them because our poly was that we where we do things together and that our partners were together, that we didn't have separate metamors that we didn't interact with because that's that's the that was my limit. That's what I felt comfortable. Right. Because once again, there's play partners and then there's relationships. Once it became a relationship, it became, you know, like with Bunny and all of us together it became much more interactive and all the discussions happened with all of us. There was no going to one or the other, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with redefining what your poly is. The unfortunate thing is, is at the end, it may wind up that you aren't able to continue with the partner that you have. Right. Well, I hope we, that helps. I think we did canvas a lot of stuff there, but there's nothing wrong. I fucking hate those fucking snobs. (laughs) At the poly meetings, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, oh, you're one of those people that you aren't fully compersion, and de- you know, allow everyone to fuck everyone and have relationships with whoever, which is great. But don't look down, you know. If people get to be whoever they, my feelings are valid, and my personal limits are valid. You may not respect my personal limits. You may want to judge and shame my personal limits for whatever fucking reason you have. But I get to have my personal limits, and if you don't like it, go fuck yourself." To death. Mm-hmm. Mm, you tell him, Boogie. That's right, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, thank you so much for writing to us, Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous. That was great. Um, once again, if you have any questions that you want to write to us about, email us at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com, and we promise we will be gentle as is possible for two assholes to be. Whoops. <laughs> Back to the pooter, huh? Ah, One exceptional pooter. One exceptional pooter and then one horrible homeless pooter. Oh, my God. (laughs) Gotta get your kink right. All types on Fet Life. Finger in the pee hole for some. It's a big delight. For your peace of mind, just know that the author of every post that we talk about has expressly given us permission to do so. Even if they deactivate their account moments before Kathy is able to make her notes, thus <laughs> making this a very difficult paraphrase kind of discussion. It doesn't happen often, but every once in a while, someone for their own personal reasons will deactivate their account and bam, I can't copy and paste it over. And that happened moments before we were going to start the show. <sighs> so we weren't able to get the read on that. Usually you pull apart things eloquently and then are able to read, uh, you know, so we get at least the gist of the post. But I have been reading and doing notes. So Kathy's like, well, then you have to paraphrase. 
And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Unfortunately, I, I totally would have paraphrased it had it not been weeks since I asked for permission and can't really remember the post that well. Well, then I will do better because I've been taking notes and thinking about this because it is a great topic and it's something we touched on in the show. And it's one of those where you hope for a perfect world scenario, but it's not. And Calamity, it's is Calamity Jane or Calamity Janet? I think it's Calamity, Calamity Janet. Janet, yeah. Janet, who wants it first off. Hopefully, whatever reason that Calamity uh, disabled their account, I hope it's for positive reasons and there's not something negative going on. Um, they did give us permission to talk about the post, so we're going to talk about the post. They didn't unpermission it, and uh, right. and so now we're going to talk about it. But hopefully, whatever happened to them, that it's just something temporary. Like sometimes you just like you're like I'm fucking sick of this shit. <laughs> just I'm just gonna. <laughs> I just don't like I have to do that with Facebook. Like literally I had to get myself banned from Facebook to stop me from commenting on people's stupid drama. And so every time they let me back in, I put a picture of Muse asshole and then they ban me for 30 days and then oh, I can't comment. So it's whatever. That's what I got to do <laughs> to keep me away. Yeah, sometimes you need a break. I totally Sometimes I need help to avoid the drama, but whatever. So <laughs> Calamity Janet writes a post. Um, and once again, going to paraphrase, so this doesn't give us the ability to really let you know exactly what they're thinking, but we are going to have some ideas about it. So a friend of the poster emails them. They were all at a play party together, and they said, hey, um, did our behavior, our scene, make you uncomfortable the other night because it had made some other people uncomfortable and so I just wanted to check in, which you know, is very nice, you know, check in with people. And uh, and so the poster's first response was, let me guess, you play rough in your play scenes. And the person's like, yes, yes, we play pretty hard. We're very edgy and we play pretty hard. So, of course, the poster is also a very heavy bottom and has very, very intense play scenes. And so... After reassuring the person, you not only didn't make us uncomfortable, it's actually a peeve that you have to go through this because a lot of people who are extreme edge players sometimes are met in the dungeon with some pushback because either new people don't understand what they're doing, they don't under new people don't understand what they're seeing, and so they don't know if it's an assault or if it's consensual or it just triggers them because it's so intense or they're envious because they'll never play that hard. The poster had a lot of different ideas of what it might be or what might not be, but ultimately the issue for the poster was they had made some adjustments to their play, and so they only have heavy play like a couple times a month. But why should it be like that? You know, why shouldn't you be able to play the way you want to play in a play space? Right. And so it kind of went on onto that. So that's the gist, the paraphrase of what I got from their point of view. And then I had 17,000 notes and points of view <laughs> that have little to nothing to do with their point of view. Right, of course. Okay, so the post, I liked the post that you were talking about it. I remembered it was entitled, Y'all Make Us Uncomfortable, which yes. I totally get. And anybody who is running, anybody who runs a venue or runs their own party has had to deal with this, uh, including Threshold, which we've discussed before. 
Now, threshold has changed so much over this last couple of years that I don't know how they are now. But I do know that in the past, as an organization that has to make money in order to survive, they did start to create a list of things that were not allowed. It wasn't an extensive list, but this list was based on the number of people who were offended or the number of people who were put off or how many people would decide, I'm not going to come back if those people are playing. Right. And there are always... There were always and there will always be things that make people uncomfortable, that piss people off. I myself, whenever I saw this one woman who I knew was a screamer getting ready to go into a room, I was fucking out of there because she pissed me off so much. The amount of noise that she made that would just ruin anybody's play around. But just because I'm offended and I don't like it doesn't mean that you have to ban it. And the problem, unfortunately, with things like uncomfortable or offensive is that those words are subjective and what is uncomfortable or offensive to one person will not be person was not uncomfortable uh, to the next person. And when you have subjective terms like that, and you're the person who's running that party or venue, you have to come up with legitimate business reasons why you're going to ban certain plays. That's assuming if you have a public place, if you're doing a private party, do whatever the fuck you want. Because this is all your party, your rules, you get to do whatever you want. But if you're running a business in which you need to make money, I don't see anything wrong with a party or venue owner saying, this is the list of three things that aren't allowed at this place. And the reason is that it will negatively and directly affect the bottom line. But offensive and uncomfortable isn't reason enough, at least in my book, to stop someone else's play. I absolutely agree. The The business aspect, which you and I can speak with a lot of experience in, is a reality. No matter how hard you want to play, no matter what type of play you want to do, if you're going into someone else's place, then you're not paying the rent. You pay your five, twenty, thirty, whatever dollars you go to go in, but you don't have to pay the insurance. You don't have to pay the rent or the lease. You don't have to pay for all the, all the, all the, all the things to struggle to keep those doors open, which, of course, right now, most of the dungeons are closed. Right. So it really is something that you got to understand because, I don't know, I have like all these different things. In a perfect world, everyone can play how they play. In a perfect world, all new people will be educated about what they're seeing. All leaders will know the intentions and limits of the players and edge play scenes. There'll never be a question about consent. Nobody will be triggered and nobody will ever have to pay rent for a place. But this isn't a perfect world. And so whereas I understand as somebody who, because now I'm going to go off on, on this tangent. Okay. I have seven. This is tangent oh number <laughs> tangent number one. We talked right. about the business aspect, and ultimately, I think you explained it really well, that, sorry, it's a business. If if your Nazi uniform makes people not want to come here and we're going to have to close because of those types of things, can't do it. Sorry. Right. Start your own party. Go pay for a building and do it. You have all Nazi all day. There really is a balance. You know, the leadership of that venue has to be committed to educating new people if they're going to allow because there's some parties where they are edge play parties this is for the hardcore people they're going to come in unfortunately some of those parties are so edge play we don't tell anybody not to do anything 
consent sometimes gets shaky. Right. So that's where I believe leadership comes in to find that balance to we're going to have an edge play. You can do crazy things. You can bleed and bruise and scream and rape play and Nazi play and all of those things. But we do need to know what the limits are, because when someone goes spacey, you don't know if they've had too much because now they're looped. Right. They're completely high and looped out. So you don't know if it's becoming dangerous. You don't know if the top's getting carried away, which we've heard lots of experiences of that where the top is now so high in their own space, they don't realize that they are just literally murdering the bottom that's looped out and feels no pain anymore. Right. So there is a balance of there's a reason why you should it people sh- it's good for people to be concerned when they see something extreme it's good for people to say is everyone okay in this scene is this still consensual is this still yeah you want that <laughs> yeah i think in general that's not bad we constantly went back to leadership dungeon monitors working with people to understand And that's why the more you negotiate and disclose with the people that run the event, the more, I mean, I loved it. I had no problem. I was at that fucking place for 11, 12 years. And even at the end of that 11, 12 years, I liked when the DM asked me what I was doing in my play scene. Right. Because it was the, it was good. It was good practice. Yes, this is what's going on. And if they and if they ask the bottom, you know, heaven forbid, that usually that's a whole nother issue. Dungeon monitors should be talking to the bottoms just as much as they're talking to the tops before you they sign you into a room. Whole nother topic. But I think that stuff is good. And that creates an atmosphere where when people don't know what's going on, they can run to the leader or dungeon monitor and say, These, what's this going on? And then the dungeon monitor hopefully has your back and says, oh, they do this very intense and, and that's how it works. Right. Well, I, you know, if it's what you said that uh, when you paraphrase that someone had e- emailed and said, um, you know, that they found it, it, I don't know, offensive or uncomfortable. And I re- as I recall, Calamity Janet said that in the past she'd actually been barred from a party for something like that. Sure. And that she'd also had sure. people approach her. And tell her they felt uncomfortable. I, I think that whenever somebody approaches you and says, "I don't, I don't like what you did. Um, it, it made me uncomfortable watching your play. It was offensive, or whatever." Right. I think the first thing a, a person needs to ask themselves when they're approached like that is, "Why is this person telling me this?" Because if all that other person is doing is sharing their opinion that was not invited in, and they're only doing it because They're hoping that possibly having said that you'll stop doing that and therefore stop offending them or making them uncomfortable. Then I don't know that that kind of interaction requires a great deal of thought. They, they shared it with you and then they're moving on. Great. You just told me you're uncomfortable. What the hell does that have to do with me? Or is this a friend who says, I don't know if you realize this, but I'm your friend, so I think that you need to know that there were a lot of people who were really made uncomfortable and they were saying this, this, and this about you. It might inform your decisions in the future, and as your friend, I thought I might let you go. Those two interactions are totally different. They need to be dealt with differently. How much importance and weight you're going to give to an average person telling you or your friend or someone with good intention telling you matters. I also think that there's a possibility, because I've I've offended 
thousands of people. I've offended a lot of people. <laughs> it is a teachable moment. If it if you're coming at me with judgment, I'm gonna get defensive and fucking pat you on the head and hand you a pacifier and tell you to go fuck yourself. That's right. my way. That's what I do. If you come to me and say, "Hey, I have some feelings about what I saw," um, and we're gonna have a conversation about that, I'm into that. Because I'm into sh- telling you what my point of view is because it's possibly a teachable moment for both of us. I can see what other people see when they see me doing the things that supposedly make them uncomfortable. And I get a chance to share with them, hopefully, a point of view that makes them not feel uncomfortable or maybe has a different point of view to that type of play. Like just all the shit people have been talking since I left and you know, none of them said that shit to my face. Right. None of them. It's just a bunch of butthurt fucking little bitch dudes that couldn't talk to women are now calling me a predator behind my fucking back. So I, if somebody comes and has a question, then let's talk about that. But here's another thing that I think is really important for everyone on both sides to understand for a lot of us, not saying everybody, but for a lot of us that do edgy, weird, crazy play, there is a certain element of badassness that we scare the new kids or that we do something that gets a reaction out of other people. And to pretend that you're not, getting off on the reaction of other people, whether even if it's a normal scene, when people come up afterwards, oh, I loved your scene. I loved your connection. Oh, that was amazing. You're so good at what you do. To pretend that that's not part of playing publicly for a lot of people is a lie. We're there. We're playing with our partner and enjoying our time with our partner. But there's a certain element of the fact that we're all playing together and just like I'm enjoying other people's play scenes and let them know about it. And they get to kind of get that yummy little fix. Like, yeah, I rock. Um, Other people do. Yeah. The problem with that is that means you're also open to the fact that the reaction you're going to get out of people is not going to be sexy and yummy, that they are going to be offended, that they're not going to want you to do that thing. And that kind of jars you. You're like, wait a minute. I thought I was fucking awesome. And now people right. are telling me they don't want me to do this. Unless that was your intention to begin with. I mean, when, you in, when you're an exhibitionist and that is a big kink of yours and you're going to do something in order to make people say, wow, look at that person. Let's watch them. And you're doing things that are deliberately made to, for that wow factor. They're, you're doing them to get people to watch. What you're doing in effect, and I know this is a controversial thing to say, is you're non-consensually including them in your scene. Your scene is there for the purpose of getting them involved in it as right. a watcher. And right. that, that when you're doing that kind of stage acting and you're deliberately doing it in a large room with a lot of people looking and you're doing it with a scare tactic in mind and a wow factor... That's where you start to cross the line into now you just created, without my consent, a scene in which I am involved. You did it deliberately to get me to gross out or freak out. I got a problem with that. The problem is, unfortunately, that's difficult to prove uh, unless you know that person really well. I have seen that happen and it fucking pisses me off when someone has the gall to non-consensually, as an exhibitionist, involve other people in their play. 
I agree. And we have that in rape role plays where the people are running through the dungeon and they haven't really done. We've, we've had those conversations where right. people are doing rape play and the person's running through, help me, help me, you know, and you haven't really hipped everyone to what's really going on. You know, that's just, right. that's exactly what you're talking about. You have now non-consensually included everyone in that play scene and they don't know what's going on. So when they react against what you like and it doesn't go the way you pictured in your fantasy mind, mm-hmm. you kind of can't be that butthurt about, it. I mean, you can be butthurt, but that's just the way it goes. Not every show gets the reaction because you're playing around other humans that have their own thoughts and ideas right. about how the world works. So I think in the bigger picture, I would love to have people be able to play how they play and enjoy with their consenting partners. But I also have to understand that it's, it's an ecosystem when you go and do it somewhere else. That's very true. Well, I think we've talked this one into the ground and I'm glad that calamity Janet gave us permission, but like you, I, I hope that everything turned out well for her and I hope we didn't, paraphrase her post too terribly but what what are you going to do that's the best we could do boogie what are you going to and once again just like with any post we read the post is really kind of just a jump off point i mean sometimes we're talking specifically about what their thoughts and feelings are but in general it's just kind of that that kickoff to a bunch of different discussions so i don't think who gives a fuck <laughs> <laughs> we we did all right yeah, whatever whatever Perverted Podcast Listener Segway. Bakura. Hello, Boogie. Are you in the blanket fort? I am in the blanket fort. This sounds a lot better for the Perverted Podcast listeners that are just tuning in. This is now our second attempt at recording a listener segue with Bakura. The first time sounded like you were in a train tunnel with barking dogs and like homeless people vomiting. And maybe there was a junkie there shooting up and screaming that they didn't have enough for their next fix. I don't know. It was a lot of chaos. Don't shame my life. <laughs> we, we couldn't keep it. So now in order to make this sound the best, Bakura, you are now in a closet with a blanket over your head. Yes. It's warm but comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but we can hear you now. I can understand what you're saying. And to the Perverted Podcast, the other listeners that are out there, this is the dedication of Perverted Podcast listeners that Bakura would would cover himself in a blanket so we can talk about some of the things in your life and some of your experiences. I'm very excited for the second chance to re-go over some of your stories. Of course, you had sent in your uh, questionnaire, the Perverted Podcast questionnaire, that asks a little bit about you and your experiences. And so let's just go ahead and get in to the one that I thought... <laughs> it still cracks me up. I don't care if we're going to talk about it again. <laughs> you had a play scene with your partner. The question is, is did you have something that has ever gone wrong in a play scene, how did you deal with it? Blah, 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 blah. Why don't you go ahead? <laughs> I just keep picturing it. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners about that? Okay. Well, me and my partner were both switches. And in this particular instance, I was topping. And, you know, we were just having a nice little spanking scene. And I had this metal switch that I was spanking her with. And she 
decided I wasn't doing it properly. So she went to grab it out of my hand and show me how to do it properly, and in the process, ended up thwacking me right across the face with it. (laughs) Can can you post? Can you send us a picture of this switch? Yes. Yes. I just, I really would love to get a reference of that. A really thin metal switch with a wooden handle, but I will get a picture of that and I'll pop it on Fat Life. That is incredible. So now, at this moment where you're all in your kind of grr moment, what what is the feeling? Is it just like a complete shock? Did it hurt? What happened? It it stung a little bit, but mostly it just smacked me right out of the headspace that I was in. I. I tried to get myself back into that headspace and get back into the play, but I was angry. But more than anything, I was angry that I was angry. Like, I knew it was an accident. I knew everything that went into the situation, but it pulled me so far out of the scene. And I knew if I I couldn't put myself back into the scene while I was that angry. And so I had to take a step back and reevaluate the situation and end the scene there because I, I knew if I forced it, I'd be forcing an angry scene and didn't want to do that. First off, I have to say, obviously it's funny now because we're talking about it and I think it sounds fucking funny. But in the moment, obviously that's a real feeling to be snapped out, to be slapped in the face with a metal rod Especially when somebody took the toy from you when you're in, yeah. in that top space. First off, many, many, many brownie points for doing the correct thing, which is to pause and to and to acknowledge the fact that you are not in a controlled headspace in that moment. I've had to do that to myself. I've had to call red on scenes as a top. It is difficult to do because there's all these, I don't know about you, but for me, there's all these things going through your head and challenges and you're angry at yourself and and you're angry at your bottom and you're angry at the situation, but it is absolutely the correct thing to do to pause the scene in order to regather yourself because that is a really easy place for shit to go bad if you are not in control of yourself emotionally in that scene. Yeah, no, after the scene was paused, we were able to stop, uh, talk about it. Um, We didn't go back directly into that scene. We did continue playing later that night, but we, we had a chance to discuss the situation, to calm down, and realize, again, I wasn't angry at her. I mean, as the top getting thwacked in the face by her bottom, you, you can be angry with her. But I was angry at myself just for being angry, I think, was the big takeaway there. And any anger like that, if it's not part of the scene, you, you need to take a step back. Now, here's something. Now, it is an interesting dynamic because you guys are both switches, which is pretty common. I, I would definitely dare to say that probably half of the people that are into kinky play in some way or another do enjoy switching and receiving sensations from the other person. What is interesting is something that you told me uh, in another conversation before you had the blanket fort over you while we talked was that you guys can switch kind of mid-scene, which is kind of, it sounds like, what sort of started to happen. Yes, and and it, and it happens sometimes, and it's incredibly hot. Uh, 
Uh, even um, last night was her turn to top, and I think we switched out like three or four times throughout the evening. Wow, that is I, – I mean, because seriously, most of the people that I talk to who are a couple that are switches – one of the it'll be like either or like tonight i feel the toppy mood and then uh maybe another time you're toppy the whole scene is run by one or the other as the top and the bottom and so it actually seems to be a little more rare that people switch mid-scene so but because of that i have to say i don't think you being angry at yourself was totally justified because if you're in a top space, there is still a power exchange. There's still that moment where I am in control. And even though sometimes maybe it's playful when you guys brat out on each other and switch, maybe in that moment you were just in more of a gur space and someone all of a sudden, even if it's your partner that you've done this with a bunch of times, maybe in that moment, them grabbing the toy and saying, no, you're not doing it right. Because I sure know, I don't know about being a Switch, but I know that would piss me the fuck off if someone did that to me. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> so I don't think it's necessarily bad that you got angry, but once again, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. But you said there was, uh, after the conversation, there was still sucky fucky. Oh yeah, no. The, the the evening ended very well. <laughs> All right, good because sucky fucky is important right now because there's no sucky fucky for me over here, and I need to vicariously live through your goddamn sucky fucky, even if you are under a blanket. Well, I will. Be sure to share all my shucky fucky with shucky fucky, <laughs> sucky fucky, <You're> shucky fucky, <laughs> shucky fucky. This is a professional show, by the way. We have uh, patrons that subscribe. <laughs> okay, so so now here is another answer that you gave in the questionnaire. By the way, if you email us at pervertedpodcast@gmail.com and ask for the questionnaire. We will email it to you in the body of the email and you just fill it out and it's very easy because they're your experiences and then we can come on the show and talk about them and all you have to do is be an expert in your experiences. God damn it, Blanket Ford. I'm really glad that we had a second chance <laughs> to get you on with us <laughs> to talk about some of your experiences. I'll let you get out of the Blanket Ford so you can breathe now unless, of course, you want to go get your partner, crawl back in the Blanket Ford. And then, uh, you know, sucky, fucky, sucky, fucky. <laughs> maybe, maybe. We will see what happens, but thank you for having me, Boogie, and I hope to talk to you again soon. Perverted mailbox, bitch, what you gotta say? So I have just one, it wasn't actually an email, it's somebody who posted very recently on uh, our Perverted Podcast group on FetLife. This is from the fuck doll. We read her post about the horrible um, uh, culmination of her waterboarding scene with her uh, partner. Oh, I didn't see and, this. Yes, just and she wanted to write, so she she posted on our group page. This is what she says. She says, "I was nervous as hell to listen to this. I grabbed a box of Kleenex with my partner, and I sat on the couch together and listened." I wanted to say thank you for your sensitivity and how happy I am that you and 99% of the comments on my posts fully grasp the intended message. 
I think your refusal to condemn edge play or edge players is a testament to your understanding of P-R-I-C-K, which stands for, if anybody listening doesn't know, Personal Responsibility Informed Consensual Kink. She goes on to say, mostly I'd like to thank you for making the point about how a lot of activities and hobbies put us at serious risk, but we don't judge people for hurt being hurt by them. We all feel terrible for football players disabled by multiple traumatic brain injuries, but we don't shame them and judge them as sick. We really needed to hear that. The secrecy of the situation has been an extra layer of burden on us. On a side note, as a podcast junkie, I'm super impressed with the flow of the podcast and the audio quality. Have already listened to a few of the episodes and will continue to. <sighs> I'm so glad we didn't fuck them over. <laughs> I'm so glad. Usually don't care, but that was a heavy, that was definitely like, uh, notice that she didn't entertain my love for her name, Fuck Doll, because we're I'm bros. Because <laughs> we're bros now. That's just right, let it. It's just bros. now unspoken. Yeah, oh yeah. If there was a while you you thought about me that way, and I I've, I let it go. We're bros oh. now. You're totally Dom cool. Bros. We're Dom Bros. <laughs> and Dom she says she liked the audio quality, which I will have to chime in God. here and say that that is due to Boogie's hours of compressing things and Jesus fixing things, and every Christ. time I yell into the mic, and every time other people say a tons of, of ums and likes and ohs <sighs> and. You know, it's just I just want to say I, I put in the effort, the effort on bullshit, but I am looking very forward to making this sound better. Like right now, it sounds OK for a podcast and we're doing because we have to record through Zencaster and we're far away. That is just this is as good as it's going to get for right now. But there's some things coming up where I'm like, if I did this and if I did this. And I spent some of Headley's and the Perverted Podcast patrons, uh, you know, money in the right this way that I think we could get the sound even better because I am dedicated to good audio. Because you see in, in COVID all these celebrities that are doing interviews from their fucking reverby stupid living rooms and it sounds like ass and you're like, you're a fucking multimillionaire and your brand is your name. Spend a couple bucks and and make something that sounds better. Because it can, Kathy. Yeah, am I ranting? I'm a, I'm a Look at that! You just like literally. <laughs> hey, there's a guy in the street I know from the dungeon. Don't approach. Should I go up and say hi? No fucking way. Don't approach. No bad pervert. So, Kathy. Yes. I know what okay. you're going to say. <laughs> okay, so the first perverted podcast group erotica Aye. sounded really good. I think people it got did. Okay, so for the perverted podcast listeners on our FetLife group, perverted podcast on FetLife, I will start a group erotica and I will start with a jump off point, you know, two sentences to set the stage for an erotica. And then everyone writes two sentences, two sentences, and then they try to build the story. And then after that, Kathy reads it. And the first one worked really well. People like were really into it. The second one. Not so good. 
But Kathy, the trooper. <laughs> no. The tr- I said read it anyway. Just read it. It's a personal pet peeve when I read something and it goes from past tense to present tense. And I'm like, all right, now I have to restructure everything in my head. But actually, when I started reading it, I thought, I can fix that. I can change the whole thing to past or present. You know, we're not going to change that much of it. And so, <laughs> but then... They someone starts using a bubble wand like a kid's bubble wand. Okay, and wait, don't next... don't don't give away the spoilers. What? 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 Oh, okay. Well, don't that was spoilers. a teaser then. Okay. Yeah. Not only that, change in locations, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, how am I supposed <laughs> to read this without freaking out? I did the best I could, and I honestly thought, Boogie, that you were going to say, Yeah, this is no good. I'm not. I'm not going to upload this. Oh no 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 no. You wrote it, perverted podcast. Kathy's going to read it. God damn it. So here it is. Now then, the challenge is, is for our dedicated masturbators out there. If you can find a way to get aroused by this story and finish (laughs) to completion, you get like a special award. I don't know what it is. Yes. Play the freaking thing. Here it is. The bubble wand was held to her lips in the summer garden. The swirl of colorful fluids was the fount from which she drew unfathomable pleasure spheres. When he turned the wand on, static electricity arced to her bare nipples, and it appears Paddle Bob just turned Headley's bubble wand into an electrical wand, but okay. She groaned as he moved it further down towards her thighs. It cracked on the skin of her belly as she spread her thighs wide in anticipation. As expected, her arousal was hard to miss, and that gave him great pleasure. Her back arched as he continued, starting to mix pleasure and pain. His free hand goes into her hair, tangling his fingers into the thick strands and pulls her neck back and Enigma just switched from past tense to present tense but whatever leaning in he licks her neck up to her ear nibbles lightly and says don't you love the view from up here but wow that must be a pretty high garden are we on a cliff or something Her breath catches, gasping at the sensations and his voice, and she squirms under him, murmuring her assent incoherently. He pushes her down on her knees, a position she is all too familiar with. You have 90 seconds to make it happen, he whispers in her ear. She knows a tour group will be coming up to the elevator to the observation deck they are currently on. Come on, people, we were in a freaking garden already. Man. All right. She quickly undoes his belt and zipper, pulling him open. She's thankful he decided to go commando today. As always, she is mesmerized by his beautiful phallus and loses a few seconds looking at it. Snapping out of it and remembering the time limit, she opens her mouth and moves closer. Hungrily, she takes his cock into her needy little mouth and begins to work him just the way he likes most. A heady rush comes over her, 
the simultaneous exhilaration of being used and the apprehension of potentially being caught are an intoxicating blend. Not going quickly enough, she feels his hand on the back of her head. Taking a quick deep breath, she prepares herself for what she knows is to come. She jumps, and so does his cock, as they hear the ding of the elevator. He looks back. It's on the first floor, but it's started to rise. His cock starts pushing down her throat, his need to come building quickly and powerfully as he swells in her mouth, her hands sliding up his thighs, and then reaching around him, gripping his cheeks. She pulls him closer, thinking, If he believes he can handle this, then I'll show him what I can really do. And then uh, she unhinged her jaw like a reticulate python, and he shot his fat fucking mangoo load down the back of her throat, and then they both farted and laughed and flew away on a unicorn surrounded by Headley's bubbles. There was no fucking ending. It didn't even end. Now, whatever. And that is show 28, people. Boogie is back, and hopefully he's back to stay. Texas can't have him. You had your fucking chance. Please write to us at pervertedpodcasts at gmail.com. Tell us how things are going or ask us a question. Who knows? We might actually say something that helps. As always, don't forget to visit us on patreon.com forward slash pervertedpodcast. Consider donating five bucks a month because if you do, then the show will be that much better and we get compressors and limiters. No guilt! And to our amazing supporters, I say much love and kisses for the faith that you have in us. That's it, Boogie. I got nothing else. I'm just laughing because you said perverted podcast. Oh my god, did I? <laughs> now, of, of all the fucking things you're going to edit out, I bet you that's not going to be one of them. No, that was magic. Welcome to our like, podcast because I think that is more descriptive. <laughs> we're plodding we, along. <laughs> we have just plod. It's a podcast. The podcast. We're just, we just two old fuckers with our walkers just plodding through this show. That is going to be us. It, but it's us right now. What are you talking about? That's true. All we're missing is the walkers. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you so much to Headley, our glorious show sponsor. And thank you to our patrons. Thank you to each and every listener. And thank you to all the people in Texas. That made me realize that I, I need to come home soon. Um, no, it was a good experience. There was still nice. There's nice people everywhere. And we have a lot of listeners in Texas. And I'm sorry that I was mental and had a broken car and didn't visit any of you. And I know that made some people like, you're here, though. You can come see us. No, I was not. I was not very social. And I felt very, uh, yeah. So sorry about that. But um, just excited. Just very, very excited to get to the next level and to just dig in to the show as we've been doing for all these years and to just see where we're going to go from here. I don't know. I'm back. I, I have no idea. The The world is our oyster, Kathy. What does that, that mean? I don't know. It's an oyster. A, I hate oysters. That there's a, a big fat pearl inside of it, and I don't mm, know. I want to touch your huh? big fat pearl, Kathy. Leave my pearl alone, mister. <laughs> Actually, isn't your pearl really little? It's very it, little. It's like a little teeny pearl, but it's an excited pearl. It tries to hide from me all the time. It's. A, I'm going to hide. It no. plays hide and seek. It's a little <laughs> is what it is. It's a no, I don't want to. <laughs> Get 
don't get your orgasm. I'm not going to give you your orgasm. <laughs> this is the show. 282 episodes. We haven't mixed a week. Come hell or high water, the podcast will continue until one of us dies. Plotty, plotty, plotty. <laughs> well, then we'll see you guys next week. I am so over you It only took half the time That I expected it to You are done You're no longer my number one I was in love with you Everyone said that my head was in bra Early screw, no, you're done. You're no longer my number one. I would cry naked for hours, holding your picture, your picture, your picture, wondering if. There was ever a time that you loved me Or were you just faking? I thought my ship had come I climbed aboard in the storm Who'd have guessed this ship would get sunk? You are done you're no longer my number one Instinct was my worst friend I let it choose, it chose you And now I'm hurting again You are done You're no longer